see everybody. It's always, it's always a good day to celebrate together. Amen. Austin, brother, that was, that was strong, bro. I'm telling you. So you're going to hear two sermons today. That was great. Great word. I appreciate that. Appreciate his heart in that and absolutely agree. I want to share something with you. We're going to be talking today. We've been doing this series on foundations and we're talking about laying strong foundations today. We're going to talk about you. We're going to talk about us because this is us. And that's not just some great hit TV show that's on that some of us are really addicted to right now. I'm not talking about me per se, but, well, maybe, okay, a little bit. But we are the church and we are the body of Christ. So I want to share this with you. Remember, we used to say this a lot. We've had periods where we didn't so much. But look what it says. We are the body of Christ called to be Jesus in every neighborhood in our city and beyond. Read that with me. Ready? Read. We are the body of Christ called to be Jesus in every neighborhood in our city and beyond. This is our mission statement. It's who we are called to be Jesus in our city, in our neighborhood, where we are. And who is our neighbor? Well, I love what Bob Goff says. He says, the world is our neighbor. Amen? So it's not just the five that are around you, or six, or seven, or ten in your neighborhood, because some of you live out on a ranch, right? Uh, you don't have a lot to pick from there. But let me tell you, the whole world is your neighbor. And so we're called to be Jesus in every neighborhood, wherever we find ourselves, we're called to be Jesus because we're the body of Christ representing Him. And so uh, we talked about this whole idea of foundations. These are the Ashlar stones that you would see at the Temple Mount in Jerusalem where Chris and Casey, my son and daughter-in-law, are at right now along with my former associate pastor in Abilene, Pastor Rich Brown. He's there as well. So a lot of my friends are there right now enjoying that moment. And they're seeing what you're seeing right now up close and personal and even touching and praying. And I saw a picture of uh, some of my friends at the wall uh, praying and interceding. So I want to share this statement with you regarding the church. And I love this. I think it's dead on accurate. So I'm going to read it to you. It says this, The church is the body of Christ on earth. We are the body of Christ. Empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's Acts chapter 2. Where the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 10. To continue the task of reaching the lost and discipling the saved. See that two-edged sword there? Reaching the lost, discipling the saved, helping them become fully devoted followers of Christ. That's based out of passages out of Ephesians chapter 4, which we're going to look at uh, much closer in just a little bit. So let me share something before we dive into the Scripture. A number of years ago, and many of you have heard me say this, I was a senior pastor for 10 years in Abilene, Texas, at a church called Grace Point. And at Grace Point, we had been there probably two, three years, and I had gotten to know a ministry leader in the community named Mark Hewitt. Mark was an amazing individual. Mark was one of those guys, he grew up, he went to Abilene Cooper, and he was kind of like hometown hero. You know, every, every generation has a hometown hero. He was like the best football player, the best basketball player, the best everything, best baseball player, best golfer, trust me on that one. He was like the best at everything he did, and he was working in the community and locally, and then God got a hold of his life and flipped his world upside down. And God commissioned Mark Hewitt 
to start a ministry which later became Love and Care Ministries in Abilene, Texas. Love and Care is going strong, and what they do is that they do all kinds of ministry outreaches to the broken, to the poor, and to the homeless. And so Annette and I would spend time with Mark. Mark became a dear friend of mine. We had other people in our church that got very involved with love and care. And what we would do is we would go out on feeds where we would go out in this big truck. We'd go to the food bank, load up, and then we would go house to house throughout various areas. Or we would go, there was various bridges. There was even a little hidden away camp where the homeless lived. And you know, you would think in a town the size of Abilene that there wouldn't be that many homeless. Well, it's because you never see them. But they're there. And so we, he took me back into this place. It was, just, it was almost like stepping into another world. And we would take and we would feed. Well, Mark did this thing. He said, hey, Jimmy, I've got this thought. He said, what if I were to come to your church? Because I'd talked to Mark about coming and speaking about the plight of the homeless and the poor and the broken. And he said, how about we, we do one better? He said this. He said, how about me? And I've got another friend who does this. He said, we will dress up and we will just dress like homeless people. And we'll come to your church early and we'll camp out in your parking lot. There's a dumpster right out by the alley where our main parking lot was. He said, we'll camp out by the dumpster. And he said, he said we'll just talk to people as they come in or we'll just sit there and see who talks to us. I was like, oh man, I don't know if I want to test my church that way. And he said, and then what I'm going to do, he, he said, then we'll do something after that. So I was like, okay, so I, I clued in my staff, and that was it. Only my staff knew. No one else in the church knew what was going to happen that day. So we all show up on Sunday morning. It's just like here. People kind of come in early to get the worship team going, and, and then ushers are showing up, and elder, you know, different people are showing up, ministry leaders and volunteers. And everybody starts showing up, and everybody's seeing Mark and this guy. They're seeing two homeless guys in the parking lot. And Mark, he loves to play stuff up, so he's being rowdy about it, like going, hey, what are y'all doing in there anyway? And people are like, oh my gosh, you know, a homeless person just talked to me. I mean, it was, he was like, he was really agging it on. And I didn't, I, I was afraid, let me just tell you, I was afraid to watch. So I parked in the front that day. I kid you not, and I went in the front door, and I would peek out every once in a while. I was nervous, because in a very real sense, think about this. Our church was facing a test. So I didn't even know what was going on. I heard a couple people buzzing. They came in the hall. Hey, did you see those guys out, out by the dumpster? I'm like, yeah, I did see them. Of course, I know the whole story, right? So we go through our worship service. It's going great. We're having a great time. No mention no conversation. I didn't know what happened. And here's what the plan was. So when it was time for me to get up and preach, which I sat kind of in that same area, I just sat there. And listen, have you ever had your radio going and then it just cut off? But you know it didn't turn off. You know that the station went out. That's called dead air. You know, it's, it feels like a vacuum in your car when dead air happens, right? It's like all of a sudden you're like waiting, you're anticipating, you're thinking it's going to come back on, and it's just dead air. So when, when that, my signal, my cue, and our church knew me, they knew when I, oh, okay, Pastor Jimmy will be coming up to preach. Nothing. I just sat there, and it felt like an hour. It was probably about 30 seconds. 
But the air just got extremely tense. And the deal was that Mark, dressed up as a homeless person, was going to come through the back doors, walk up to the pulpit, and preach the gospel. So this homeless guy that had been out by the dumpster was going to stand up and preach. You see why I was a little nervous about this? So there's this delay, and I'm thinking, where's Mark? He's not coming. It's, it's something happened, something stalled. Finally, I hear the door open in the back, and I'm just like, there he is. And he's walking in, and everybody turns and looks because it's already very awkward. And as he's walking down the aisle looking at people and just got his whole backpack, this old uh, military issue bag and stuff hanging off of him, he's clanging and jangling. As he's walking up the, up the aisle, he's got tears streaming down his face. He's crying. And I'm like, what is going on? So he gets up into the pulpit and he can't collect himself for a few moments. And so what was awkward just got, this isn't a good word, but I'm going to say it anyway, awkwarder. It got more awkward. And I remember sitting there, of course, I, I, knowing the whole thing, I was like, what is about to happen? And he finally was able to compose himself. And he said, let me tell you what me and your pastor just did to you. I'm like, nope, throw me under the bus, Mark. <laughs> this was your idea. Because I didn't know what the outcome was going to be. But he's weeping. He says, he says, you don't know this, but you were under a test today. Of course, everybody's like, oh my gosh. And then his friend was in there as well, who was actually a high school football coach in our city at Abilene Cooper. And uh, he introduced his friend. He said, hey, I'm Mark Hewitt of Love and Care Ministries. And he said, we showed up today just to see what you would do and how you would respond to the poor the needy, the broken, the homeless. He said, I have to tell you something, Grace Point. He said, you passed the test. And he started, I'm going to get, ooh, it's getting to me. He started saying, you would not believe how many of you stopped and invited us to come in. In fact, several of you, of you tried to grab our hand and pull us up to bring us into the church. And he said, we were, me and, I can't remember his name, me and the coach were, we're just kind of blown away because everybody was stopping and coming to talk to us. He said, some of you even shared the gospel with us. Of course, you know, people were all over kind of smiling and going, that was me, and wow. And, and he said, and then there were others who just walked by and who didn't make contact, eye contact, who avoided us on your way to worship. And the room got very quiet. He said, and as amazing as all those were, he shared several, he said, let me tell you why I was so messed up and why I was a little bit late coming in. He said, when we came in the back door while the worship service was going, we came down the hall. He said, a little girl had stepped out of one of her classrooms, apparently to go to the bathroom or whatever, and she saw us and she ran up to us and she took a dime in her head, she had in her hand, and she said, Sir, this was my tithe today. This is my offering today. I want you to have it. And she, <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. Because <laughs> that happens every time I think about it. And that little girl gave what she thought was this guy 
her dime, her tithe that day. And that's what wrecked Mark. And he told me later, of course, he, then he preached and brought the gospel. Mark's an evangelist too. He just brought the word and he just, he talked about the beauty of the church. What Bible refers to as the bride of Christ, the bride of Jesus. Now, there is mention that the bride on this side of heaven does have some spots and wrinkles. Can we get an amen? amen. Now, I'm not talking about ours. I'm just talking about all those other churches out. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just saying on this side, and here's why. The reason why the church has some problems on this side of glory is because we're in it. Because the church is us. The reason the church is imperfect is because I'm in it. Not because I happen to be in this position in it, but because I am in it. And for those of you who say, I'm quitting church, I give up on church, let me tell you something. You can't quit church. You are the church. That's like divorcing your grandmother. You just can't. You just don't. Because that's family. And it's who you are. It's your essence. So we talk about going to the church, going to the building, whatever. This is a building. It's a building. And aren't we grateful for it? But it's just, it's a building. It's stone and plaster and sheetrock and metal and it's just a building. It's not the church. You are the church. We are the church. This is us. This is who we are. And the beauty of it is that Jesus has given us, His bride, the body of Christ, an assignment. In fact, many assignments. So I want to share this with you. A couple of things here. Go with me. In fact, what I'm going to do, I'm going to get, share this one scripture, and then we're going to do a little different take this morning. Here's the thing. What you may not know is that we do a Wednesday night equip class. The goal of the equip class is to equip the saints for the work of ministry and to go a lot deeper into the Scripture and a lot deeper into the study of God's Word than we can on a typical Sunday morning. So I'm going to take you, and we're going to shift gears, and we're going to pretend this is Wednesday night, because there are different styles of preaching, which you may or may not know about. Uh, what we typically do on a Sunday morning is we go by topics, right? We've been talking about God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, right? Salvation. And now we're talking about the church, Next week, we're going to be talking about the Bible, the Word of God. And so we take different topics and we go with them. But on Wednesday night, we're doing something called expository teaching. And the way expository teaching works is that we actually take the book, the Bible, not necessarily by topic, but by Scripture, and we actually go through the Bible. So we're going through the book of Acts this summer. We'll be in Acts chapter 15 on Wednesday night. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a little taste of expository preaching today where we're not going to spend so much time looking at a screen as much as I would like for you, if you have your Bible with you, to take it out, or your phone, or your iPad, or your tablet or your laptop, whatever you have, or if you've committed it to memory, good on you. You're amazing. But go to Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, 
And if you need to look at the screen, you have permission today to do that. But I want you to know we're going to stay in the Scripture, in the Bible. I'm going to be using the New International Version today as we go through this. And I want to share this Scripture as we get started. And then we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4 as we talk about this beautiful, beautiful thing called the church. So, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. And God placed all things... Under his feet, now highlighted this just so you could see it, and appointed him. Who's him? Jesus. That's Jesus himself, Christ, to be head over everything for the church. Now, I went ahead and broke the word down for you because it's good for us to know what this word church means. It's the word ecclesia. And it literally means this in the original Greek. You see it in the Greek language there and then transliterated into an English word, ecclesia. And it means this, a calling out. Did you know that we who are a, make up the body of Christ, the church, are called out ones? You and I are called out. You may not know that, you may not think in those terms, but you are called out. To be separate, come out from among them, the Scripture says. So it's a calling out, an assembly. That's what we are. We've come together as an assembly, a church. So it's this group that is called out, called together, and represents Jesus on the earth, just as we said earlier in our statement. Verse 23, so we'll pick up, And God placed all things under His feet, appointing Him to be head over everything for the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him, of Christ, who fills everything in every way, which is His body. We are the body of Christ the very representation of Jesus. Now, go with me to Ephesians chapter 4, and I want to pray as we dive into this. Father, in Jesus' name, open our eyes that we may see, our ears that we may hear, our hearts that we may know the truth that makes us free, and our spirit that we may embrace and encounter you personally. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to pick up, and Brenda, if you'll help me now from here. We're going to start... Ephesians chapter 4, welcome to Wednesday night. It's great to have you at our, clip, our equip class. I want you to just relax and stay, stay in your word, take notes if you need to, but we're going to cover the scripture, we're going to go through the text together. Here we go. As a prisoner for the Lord, this is the Apostle Paul, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling. The calling you have received. Remember what the church is? Called out. We are called out. He says, live a life worthy of that calling. And he's been talking about how God has taken the Jewish people and the Gentile people, that's us by the way, and has merged them into one, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one spirit, one God overall. And he brings them all together. And he says, you're the called out ones. He says this, be completely humble, verse 2, and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Why would he tell us to do that? You know why? Because we're going to need to do that. One of the things that the church as a family does for each of us is that not only does it support, build, encourage, and inspire, but it exposes, frustrates, and draws out sometimes the worst in us. Some of the meanest people I've ever met on the planet. Yes. 
are not people on an Interstate 10 during rush hour. And that's all I'm going to say about that. So why would he call us out and say, I need you to do these things, to be completely humble, gentle, patient. And why would he tell us we're going to need to bear with one another? Does it possibly mean that there may be something coming that will draw that out of me? A need to, you mean I may have to bear with you? You mean you may have to bear with me? Don't nod so enthusiastically. He's calling us out because he knows that this thing called the body of Christ. Think about it. The body of Christ. Let me ask you a question. Does your body function perfectly as it should be all the time? Do you snap, crackle, and pop like me when you get up in the morning? Joints, bones, hips, shoulders, old injuries. I mean, it's literally, you sound like a bowl of Rice Krispies when you first get out of bed. Can I get an amen? Amen. Sometimes things don't line up quite like they're supposed to. That's why David Hardison lives. Because he helps bring alignment into your... Because things are out. Remember, we are the body of Christ. Let me say one more thing about the body of Christ. The Bible says that we are individually members of it. You know, there's nothing so beautiful as when I look into my wife's eyes and I see those beautiful blue eyes. Beautiful, when they're set in place and she's got makeup on and she's the light, the halogen lights going. It's just like, whoa, whoa, man, woman, woman, woman. I mean, it's like, but here's the deal. If she was to pluck out one of those eyes and toss it on the floor, do you think I would go, oh, woman? I'd go, whoa, man. You know what it would be? It would be a member of the body that has been dismembered. And when the member of the body is not in its place, functioning as it is supposed to do, it becomes, in this case, grotesque, macabre, strange, dysfunctional. God has called us and set us together in to be parts of the body. And we're going to talk about join together as we're supposed to be. Think in those terms. What does a body part look like when it's not attached to a body? It's the stuff that horror movies are made up of, right? Because dismembered is grotesque. So think in terms of this idea of connection. So let's continue. Be completely humble. Verse 3. He says this, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Every effort. Did you know in the Greek, every literally there in the Koine means every effort. Earnestly contend for. Earnestly contend for the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Verse 4, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. Look at this, one Lord, one faith. One baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. He's talking about this idea of unity. One. Oneness. Now, unity is not conformity. Let me clarify. Because it's easy to think in terms of, that means we all need to dress the same, get our hair cut the same. Listen, when I was at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, you could tell what department people were from by the way they dressed, what they carried, the way their hair was cut. It was like, oh, those are definitely 
ministerial students who are doing the Master of Divinity program because they're carrying the briefcase, not a backpack. They're carrying the briefcase, their hair's cut the same, and they're dressed a whole lot nicer than guys like me. I did the MARE program, Master of Arts and Religious Education, and our group were called the Cut and Paste Guys. Because back in the day, we didn't have desktop uh, uh, tools like we do now and computers. We actually had to cut out clip art. Anybody remember what clip art is? We had to actually cut out, run off copies, cut clip art, tape it on, then run more copies. It was like copy upon copy until finally you got what you wanted. We were the cut and paste guys. So guess what I wore to school? Shorts. I carried a backpack. And I didn't have the same haircut as the ministerial preacher guys. Now here's the deal. I knew I was going to be a preacher and a pastor. But here's the deal. I met the wife of a director of missions up in Wyoming. And I remember sitting down and they were seasoned in ministry. And here I was, this kind of rowdy, wild kid on fire for Jesus, passionate, hungry, but I didn't quite conform. Oh, my heart was in unity, but I was not in conformity. I was unified. We were about Jesus. We were about reaching the lost. We were about seeing that the church become who she's supposed to be. The church, through the church. I was all about that, but I wasn't in conformity on my outward appearance. And I sat down. I remember saying to her through tears as a young man, I said, ma'am, I don't fit. I don't fit the mold. I don't fit in. And I always feel like an outsider among my own brothers in Christ because I don't act like them, I don't dress like them, and I don't want to. You know what she said to me? She said, Jimmy, don't ever change. She said, the last thing the world needs is more of them. We need a lot more of you. She said, never lose that authenticity. God called you as you were. He's going to grow you. He's going to shape you. But He called you, met you where you were. Be you. Be yourself. Be who Christ called you to be. And for the most part, I've held to that through the years. It's the difference between unity and conformity. Unity means we're all unified in our mission and that is to lift up Jesus so that all people will be drawn to Him. To reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to disciple them. To make disciples who make disciples. And to experience the joy of His presence in our midst. Amen? So we're unified in that. But conformed? No. No. No need for that. Amen? Amen. Alright. So moving right along, look at this. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all. Now verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Remember what grace means. God's power, God's strength, God's ability, and God's favor to do what you cannot in and of yourself do. Grace is not a license to sin, it's a license to live. And this power in us, this favor in us, this ability in us, this fire in our bones. It's grace has been given to each as Christ has apportioned it. This is why it says, and it's a quote of the, of the Psalms, when He ascended on high, He led captives in His train and gave gifts 
to men, did you know that you have received gifts? There are gifts on your life, and for many, they may be like the gifts that were in my nanny's house for years. I wrote about this a while back. One Christmas, we opened up a closet. We'd go over to Nanny's house, me and the cousins, and we'd spend the weekend. And, of course, we would explore like we weren't supposed to. And we did it anyway because we were typical kids. And we opened a closet door one time in a room that, you know, nobody ever goes in. You ever had a grandmother like that where it's, don't go in that room? So where did we go? In that room. So we're in that room. Open the door. Guess what we find? A stack of presents. A stack of gifts from Christmas, it was May. She had forgotten, she's getting a little older, she had forgotten that she had had all these presents for us stored away. And we had Christmas in May. We opened that up. I remember it being a, a, a film projector. There's all kinds of cool stuff. I mean, these were neat gifts. And we're like, Nanny, what happened? She said, I wrapped all those up. And in the busiest, I put them in that closet to hide them. And I forgot them. And so we found these presents. Let me tell you something. You are the gift that the enemy fears. You are the gift that he's afraid of because he knows if you ever get unwrapped, if you ever get discovered, the gig is up for him. It's over for him. And so the enemy wants to keep you hidden away like a forgotten gift. Hopefully, no one will ever open that door. Hopefully, no one will ever discover it. But let me tell you something. We, as the body of Christ, the church, you know what part of our responsibility is? Is to expose and see that those gifts are alive and well and ready to be employed. So there's some of you sitting here today, you don't even know. Or maybe you've lost the dream. You've lost that. We're here to resurrect we say this around here. We don't do retirement here. We do refirement here. Because if you still have a pulse, the promise still holds. If you still have a pulse, you still have a purpose. Amen? Amen. So age is no excuse. And I'm talking from here to here. Amen? Amen? Some of us need to get refired. Amen? Get going again. All right, quickly. Verse 11. It was He, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles. This is the apept or the apest, depending on how you say it. Look at this. He gave some to be apostles. These are the gifts to the church. Some to be prophets. Some to be evangelists. Some to be pastors and teachers. Those are like a five-fold. Think in terms of a hand. All of these are to be employed within the work of the body. And the beauty of it is that all of these represent together the very nature of Jesus. Jesus was the great apostle. Now, let me say it this way. He wasn't just a capital A. He was a little A. In other words, someone sent on mission. So in this context, you know what an apostle is? It's a missionary. And, and that missionary spirit is to be on, in, and through all of us. Amen? So we have apostles, we have evangelists. Look at this. We have prophets. Prophets, one that declare to speak, to call us back. You know what a prophet does? Here's what a prophet does in the church. It says, we got to stay with this book. You ever been around people like, that's great, but we got to stay with the book. If you have that fire in your bones, guess what? You may have a high, high prophetic gift working in there to call us back, to call us back. The apostle, you may be the one who's always going, like 
the Aller camps right here, right here among us. They're, they live on mission. But let me tell you something. Their gift in this house should stir us to want to live on mission. This week, as Mission Candelia engages, along with Melissa, others, they're going to be doing Missions Week, and they've got 26 students and young people coming together for a week to learn how to live a life on mission. You know why they're doing this? It's because as missionaries and people who walk in an apostolic calling, they can't help themselves. They leak out missions every way they go because they're filled with it, and it's their calling on their life. So when I get around them, guess what happens to me? Missional stuff starts getting stirred up. When you get around somebody who's got a prophetic grace and constantly calling us back, guess what? It stirs you up. Guess what? When you were in your traditional church back in the day, did you ever have evangelists that came and preached? Guess what happened? When you, for three, four weeks afterwards, the residue of that gift was on the church and people were still leading people to Jesus and thinking evangelistically. Why? Because that gift in the church stirs others to that gift. Because it stirs up what's inside of them. The next one was a pastor or shepherd. Guess what? You get around Max Lucado for 30 seconds, you want to shepherd the world. That's Max's grace. It's his gift. He's a shepherd by nature. And you get around, and guess what? It starts to rub off on you, and it stirs the desire in you to love well and to speak life over people and to encourage and edify. Why? Because that's who he is. And his gift stirs it in all of us. Randy Frazee, evangelist. You get around Randy, you start talking about your neighbors and thinking about people that are outside the church, outside the box, because you start thinking about your neighbors. Why? Because he's an evangelist. And he's, it comes out of him and he's baptizing everybody on his block everywhere he goes. Why? Because that gift is in him and it's alive. And teachers. Oh, the teachers, not only do they call us back to the Word, they want to explain the Word. They want to go deep. They want to let us know. Let me, let me get behind that a little bit. Let me tell you what ecclesia means. You have an idea what I might be? <laughs> Gifts to the church, they're all here. And you've got these pieces percolating in you. Some of you yet to be unwrapped. There are reasons why you dream the way you do. And God's in it. And I just prophetically, I'm going to step into that. I call out your dreams right now in the name of Jesus. That which has died, that which has been stolen, that which has been pushed down through disappointment, or maybe even through health, thinking, well, I can't do it anymore because I don't have the physical capacity. Oh, let me tell you, God has a way to get done what He wants to get done, and He'll do it through you no matter what. If you're willing and open and to receive it, and somebody should say, I'll take that. So let's land the plane on this. Here's what the purpose of the gifts in the body are. It's to prepare. Another translation says to equip. I love that. To prepare or equip God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. There's that unity word again. And in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Are we there yet? Then guess what? This has to keep going, and that's why we do what we do as the church. And he says this, becoming mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We're getting there, but we're not there yet. Amen? Amen. Praise God, we're not where we used to be. Amen? But we're getting there. We're getting there. Verse 14, then we will no longer be infants 
tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of doctrine and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Did you know there's some schemes against your life? The Bible's even called a schemer, a strategist coming against you. And he'll use flesh and he'll use weak, broken people to take you off your game because hurt people hurt people. Wounded people wound people. Broken people break people. Verse 15, instead. Now he's switching it. Instead of that, here's this. He says, this is what we need to be doing. Speaking the truth in love. You know, a lot of people are speaking truth, but there's no love. There's a lot of people loving, but they're not speaking any truth. You see the two bar ditches there. Sorry, I'm from West Texas. That just happens. There's two bar ditches, and in the middle of that road, love and truth come together. And when love is married by truth, that means you can speak the truth. You can speak even the hard things, the difficult things. But if it's coming out of love, let me tell you something. It can be received. And that we're to speak truth to one another. When I get up here and I speak and I get passionate and I get on fire, I'm not chastising. I'm speaking in love because I want to see us rise up and become everything God has destined for Oak Hills Church to be. And guess what? We're on the way, but we're not there yet. So we're going to continue in this. It says this, when we speak the truth in love, look at verse 15, we will in all things, someone say all things. That means in everything, we will grow up into Him who is the head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body, joined together and held together by every supporting ligament. Picture the human body now, and then take the skin off. I know it's grotesque. But picture, picture that. He says this, as it's all held together by every supporting ligament, joined together, it grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Did you know there's something for you to do? That if you're a part, just like being a part of a family, as a part of a family, we have responsibilities. We have things that we get to do. So here's how we say it here. I'm going to go ahead and go. Now, I'm going to remind you, we're the church, right? I'm going to keep moving. Let's go. There we go. The church is the body of Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit to continue the task of reaching the lost, discipling the saved, helping them become fully devoted followers of Christ. Here it is. The church is a body. The church is a bride. The church is a family. There's a reason why we play the song, We Are Family. It's not just because it is a great hook and a great riff. It's because I love the message of it. It's celebration in the moment of connection. And it's God's plan A, by the way. He says, through the church. He didn't have a plan B. It's through us that we get to represent, represent Jesus. Look at this. Some of you may already know this. If you don't, I'm going to help you here. The church is not perfect. I know, audible gasp. That's okay, I get it. Yes, believe it or not, we are not perfect. Remember why? Because this is us. <laughs> so it's not perfect and it's not finished. That's good news. God's working on something, church. God's working on something, beloved. He's working on you and He's working on me. And He's crafting us as we go. And here it is, the church is us. We are the church. 
So how do we respond to a message like this? Okay, we're messed up, we ain't there, we're not quite, but we're supposed to be doing something, we have an assignment. Well, here it is. Three simple things. Connect, grow, and serve. This is how we do life together. Connection piece, all that is is relationship. Where do we connect? First with God. First with Him. We connect. But we also connect to one another in fellowship. Not perfectly, by the way. If your family's perfect, I would like to see you afterwards because you're going to be my mentor for how to do this thing. But it's more than likely not going to happen because we're imperfect. So we have to work at speaking the truth in love. Work at connecting at a deeper level. We connect with God, we connect with one another. Here's another thing. We grow in God. We grow as disciples of Jesus. But we also grow in one another, connecting one another. Growing with one another. We do this together. We do it on Sunday morning, which is like the big end of a funnel where we cast a very broad net. And then on Wednesday night, we go deeper into the Scripture. We bury down and go deep. And listen, there's opportunity for you to get in on the bigger thing and get in on the deeper thing on Wednesday night. And so I'm going to speak the truth in love. If you're not coming on Wednesday night, you should be here. That's right. I'm, that's all in love. Calm down, Melissa. That's all in love. That's all in love. And I mean that because here's the deal. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ. You're a disciple, and a disciple needs to be trained. It means student, pupil, or learner. So I'm going to lovingly invite you out. Set your DVR, whatever you need to do. Come on out on Wednesday night at 6.30, and let's go deep. Let's grow together. The last part, I debated on whether to call that love or serve. So, love. I don't know, I'll make up a word or something. I almost compounded the two, but it's the same. Because when we love, we serve. And when we serve, we're loving. Connect, grow, serve. Serve God, serve one another. Listen, we need all hands on deck. And this is how we're landing the plane today. On September 9th, we are making room for more. We're going to go to two services starting September 9th because we want to create more space. Because here's what our senior leader has said for the last year, that there is a harvest coming. And my question to you is, do you believe that there's a harvest in Fredericksburg and the surrounding area? I'm telling you, the fields are widened to harvest. So we're going to create room. We're going to make room. We're going to go to two services. We're going to bring the children back into the worship environment because I miss praying over them. And I think they need to be in here in the context of worship, experiencing God's presence. So we're making room and that will make room. And then also, for those who have to work, we're going to create an opportunity that they can come to an earlier service, 9 o'clock, and that way they can get back out and get to their job. Because there are some people who've told me personally, I'm sorry that I have to get up and leave. I'm not upset or mad. I have to get to work. And we have several, and I think there are a lot more out there who would say, if you had an earlier service, that would give me an option that I don't have. So we are making room. So it's going to be 9 o'clock and 10.45, and we'll be out. Yes, I will preach shorter. We'll be out by noon, unlike this morning. So here's the thing. 9 o'clock, 10.45, September 9th, we are making room. Now here's, here's what we need from you. All hands on deck. 
We are making room not only for more people to come in, but for more of you to serve who have not been able to or thought maybe there wasn't a need. So we'll be talking more about that as we move on. So let me go back to our main point. We're here to be the body of Christ. We're called to be Jesus. And it's to be right here in every neighborhood, in our city, and beyond. We are the church. This is us. Amen.